Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everyone. Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio, now on the C-Suite Radio Network. Excited to be a part of that. And excited about today's show because in just a little while, we're going to be talking to Jeff Toyster, who has written a great new book called The Service Culture Handbook. So I thought I would touch base a little bit about um, what I think is important about culture. So, and I'll ask him questions about related to this, and there there may be a little redundancy, but hey, it doesn't hurt to have um, some of the same ideas drilled in over and over again. They're just coming at you at different angles, maybe set a little bit differently. One uh, it may resonate uh, a little better from one over the other. But here's the point about a customer service culture. The best companies have an amazing service culture. And there's a reason they have an amazing service culture. It's because they have an amazing culture, period. Uh, you know, hey, to look at you know, one of the legends in the business, and you can look at Zappos. Talk about an amazing culture. Uh, Tony Shea uh, has talked about it in his book. He's talked about it in interviews. He has his 10 core principles about how to create that customer-focused culture, and he will hire somebody that has all 10 principles at Zappos. By the way, he will fire somebody if they only have nine of those 10. You have to have all of them. He understands that is key to the success of creating that culture. The other uh, other piece of it is, um, you. and by the way, Tony doesn't even care if you like or don't like shoes, which is what Zappos was primarily known for selling. What they care about is that you fit into the culture and you'll be a great person to work with. Um, another client, I've talked about them before on the show, is that they have such an important culture uh, and they feel it's important enough that they won't hire anybody that doesn't fit into that culture, even if it means shutting down part of their business. A hospital chain in Phoenix, Arizona that I worked with uh, said, hey, it's important that we hire the people that are really truly customer-focused or patient-focused because we take care of these patients and their families are there. And it's emotional and it's tough. And it's sometimes painful for these patients to be in the hospital for medical reasons. We're taking care of their lives. We don't just want to be great at taking care of their lives. We want to be great at taking care of them as people, as human beings. It's not just another procedure. It's another patient. It's another person. And they had a uh, situation where they couldn't hire enough good nurses. There were plenty of nurses to hire, but none that fit into their culture. And literally, they shut down part of a floor on one of, their, uh, in one of the wings of a hospital that they had, one of their medical system hospitals, so that they wouldn't put the wrong person there that could potentially erode the culture. You know, you can hire 100 people, and if 99 of them fit right in, well, wonderful. But that one person that doesn't fit into your culture, it's like the one bad apple uh, can spoil the whole bunch syndrome. If I'm a customer and I call and I get that one person that day, my opinion of that company is what that experience was with that one person who wasn't uh, maybe the best hire, wasn't properly trained. So you need to keep in mind the culture is all about getting everybody into alignment, moving them forward. And I'll end this segment by uh, sharing an example out of my book uh, that I wrote a number of years ago called Cult of the Customer 
where we talked about how the Beatles created their mantra, and they decided that their three-word mantra was bigger than Elvis. That's what they wanted to be, was bigger than Elvis. Now, this isn't a customer service mantra, but this is what happened. Every time they went to write a song and record it, they would ask themselves, is this a song that will help get us to be bigger than Elvis? Should we go on this tour? If we take this tour and it takes us away from, you know, what we normally do, is this going to help get us and make us bigger than Elvis? Well, you look at what uh, great uh, mantras or service visions are, like the Ritz-Carlton, and I'm sure we're going to get into this with Jeff as well. You know, they've got a great mantra or credo, which is we're ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. And when you are hired to work there, they're hiring a person that they feel could fit in. And then they train them. And that's what everybody delivers. They know, like the Beatles knew that everything they did was focused on making them bigger than Elvis. Everything they do at the Ritz-Carlton is all about taking care of the guests, ladies and gentlemen, serving ladies and gentlemen. And when you're in alignment and you're heading in the same direction, you know, that's due north where you want to be, that's when everything starts to fall together and your culture fits in uh, and and that starts inside with the company, then it's felt on the outside by the customer. And to get back to what I started off with, where the culture, if a good if a company has a good customer-focused culture, a good customer service culture, there's a pretty good chance that inside the company they have a great uh, internal culture. The best companies in the world, known for the best service, if you go to Glassdoor.com, which is online and rates companies on how employees feel about their leadership in the company, you'll find that those best companies who deliver great customer service are also the best companies to work for. Imagine that. It's all about the culture. Well, this is Shep Hyken. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio on the C-Suite Radio Network. When we come back, we're going to talk with Jeff Toyster about his new book, The Service Culture Handbook. We'll be right back. Don't go away. If you like what you're hearing on Amazing Business Radio, and I know you do, then you can get much more of this information. All you have to do is go to my website, hyken.com. That's www.hyken.com. Fill out the subscribe to the Shepherd Letter form, and each week you will get an article that contains a business tip, stories, much more, all about customer service and experience delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to always be amazing. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio on the C-Suite Radio Network, and we're talking today to Jeff Toyster, who is, he's in my world. He helps customer service teams unlock their hidden potential. He's a speaker. He's a trainer. He has all kinds of uh, learning videos on the LinkedIn uh, Linda program. Uh, You can learn more about that. But here's the most exciting thing about Jeff happening right now, this week. If If you're listening to this Today, the day the episode comes out, you should go to Amazon.com and you should pick up a copy of the Service Culture Handbook, a step-by-step guide to getting your employees obsessed with customer service. Congratulations, Jeff, on the book, and welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Well, thanks, Jeff, and it's a 
Big honor to be here. I appreciate you having me. Well, we got a lot to talk about. You and I have a lot in common. Um, we're arch enemy competitors who love each other. <laughs> I love it. No, there's <laughs> people always ask me, Shep, you have all these people who do what you do on your show. Aren't you worried that they're going to steal business away? I go, How many businesses are there in the world? I could have my calendar 10 times busier than it is which is way too busy, right? And I can do this for the next 25, 30 years, and there's enough business for everybody to have the same schedule and still lots and lots of business left over. So I love talking to my uh, peers in the business, and you're definitely one of them. Very excited about your book. Uh, Give us a little background on the book. Tell us uh, what's it about. And Well, it's obvious. It's about the culture of service, but give us your angle. Sure. So I think... The angle is that um, culture is something so many companies talk about. And and if you ask business leaders, would you like to have a customer-focused culture where your employees are uh, really dialed into customer service? Of course, they'd say yes. Either we have one or we're working on one or we'd like to have one. And The challenge, I find, is we don't know how to get there. There's so much information about how to develop a culture, and some of it lines up and some of it you know, is conflicting. How do you make sense of it? So I wanted to write a guidebook that you could pick up and follow it as a step-by-step plan to developing a customer-focused culture in your organization. And, and what I mean by that is is the kind where your employees are just absolutely obsessed with service. They They seem to know what they're supposed to be doing. They're committed, and they always seem to do the right thing. And so that's what I'm really driving at with this book. All right. So you set a step-by-step program. How many steps? So there's three big ones. Wow. Which the first is you, you've got to define what your culture is going to be. Mm-hmm. The second is you, you have to engage your employees and get them committed. And the third is you have to align everything in your organization around that that definition of success. I call it a customer service vision. I think it's... I think we're talking about the same thing. You it call is. it a customer service mantra, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you, you have to def- – so I have a six-step process. You've now made it okay. even, even easier with three steps. I love that. <laughs> so they- – <laughs> well, actually, I shouldn't say it's easier. I always say simple is not easy. You've simplified That's correct. it. correct. And my first step is to define – what that culture looks like with the service vision statement. And that is something I call the mantra because I want that statement to be one sentence long. Um, I don't know how you feel about it, but uh, one sentence long means everybody can memorize it uh, and understand it. And so what, how how do you go about defining the culture? So I, I think we look at things through the same lens and and, and I agree. It's gotta be something that's, I I put three criteria against it. One is it's gotta be simple and easy to understand. So one sentence long is perfect, right? You see these huge paragraphs and people's eyes glaze over and they say, Oh, it sounds good, but I'm already falling asleep. And it's not you. It's the paragraph. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, But the second step is it, it, it has to be customer focused. Because a lot of these statements talk about leading the industry or making the most money or revolutionizing a product. But if it doesn't focus on your customer, it doesn't point us in the right direction. I think we'll lead the industry or make a lot of money if we focus on our customer. Right. And so that's the second piece of it. So tell me, uh, give me an example yeah. of your favorite uh, vision statement. I'm sure you, I, you oh. have examples of them. I, I do. Um, so 
you're out in St. Louis, right? Right. And, and so you probably don't have In-N-Out Hamburger, but I bet I you've love heard In-N-Out of In-N-Out. They're one of my clients. They are? Okay. So you... <laughs> one of the best I gigs I ever In-N-Out. did, because I'm going to tell you what was great about it. They hired me yeah. to speak at one of their managers' meetings many, you know, not that many years ago. Many, many years ago, back when I had to work, uh, walk both directions uphill to school. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I, I did a presentation for them, and part of the requirement was I had to fly out to uh, Los Angeles... Uh, their, okay. I think their offices are just south of the LAX airport, but the requirement was that I had to go with one of their uh, main leaders and and visit In-N-Out Burger, go and see you know the plant where they actually um, you know distribute everything and and oh, they have wow. their butchers there and it was it was an amazing experience. I love In-N-Out Burger. You're getting ready to tell me about their vision, okay? <laughs> So they started the company with three words that still have meaning today, quality, consistency, and courtesy. Mm. And what I love about the simplicity of those three words is if you go into an In-N-Out, and I imagine you saw this on your tour, you will see evidence of each of those three words. Right. They're clearly the words that the entire company is built around. And so that's the other part of this mantra. It can't be just a fluffy statement that no one believes. It has to be kind of a way of life for everyone in the organization. And, you know, I love that. And back when I did the speech, I actually incorporated that into the presentation. But here's the key, and you said it perfectly. Short, it's, and, and you know, and by the way, totally customer-focused. Quality, uh, uh, consistency, is, or what is that right? Uh, yeah, consistency and courtesy. I can barely read my own writing here. The, <laughs> but I mean, here it's it's you know what do people want? They want a quality experience. They know when they go back, they want it to be the same experience they had the last time, and they want nice people. And you can train to every one of those, or to each of these three words, really, really well, really clearly. So. I mean, they've got it, and I love it. You found one that's three. I always talk about the Ritz-Carlton that's nine words long. So uh, yep. they obviously got a little wordy. Uh, but <laughs> we're that one ladies makes and, sense, though, doesn't it? I know. We're ladies and you gentlemen serving and ladies and yes. gentlemen. Yeah, and you get it. it. You know, Ace Hardware wants to be the most you know the helpful hardware place is their tagline, but internally their goal is to be the most helpful retail store on the planet. And, uh, you know, because we, you know, we're talking about Ace and, and the book about uh, Ace Hardware before we even came on. So I, I think that's great. So we define it. And once it's defined, and by the way, it takes a long time to come up with three words. It sounds like it's easy, but it really does. It's, you have to work at it. You do. Um, but I think it gets easier when you incorporate everyone. And, and what I mean by everyone is I think a lot of companies do this kind of in a silo. You get the executive somewhere at a retreat. You have maybe a consultant, and I think it's harder then. I've found when I do this with my clients, it takes us about two hours. Yeah. And that's not a long time to write that, but it's because these statements are authentic. You have to look at who are we already on our best day, and that's who we're always trying to be. I love that. And that's when it resonates. You know, those words become a lot easier when you look at who we are already. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a tweetable moment just now, by the way. Who we are, are who we are already is who we want to always be. I think yeah. that's good. So it, it and so I just want to make this clear. 
it really takes longer than two hours. It takes two hours. Uh, you bring everything together. You get the right minds together. You give everybody in the right mindset, and they come out many times with a phrase, a sentence, three words. But then you've got to play with it. You got to live with it. You got to make sure it's yeah. right. And I would caution that anybody who puts together something in you know as short as a couple hours and thinks they're going to live with this with the rest of their life should practice and test it and make sure it's the right one. And you know what? Many times you're about 80%, if not even all the way there. So I do, I do agree with you. You know, it doesn't take that long to initiate it, but to make sure it's the right one, take your time, do it right. And then, uh, you mentioned engage, uh, everyone. So so let's talk about that one real quickly. So I think it's funny and I won't put you on the spot with this, but I'll make a general statement about engagement. Okay. When we bring up engagement, everybody nods their heads and say, yeah, that's important. But ask people what engagement actually means. And that's when we realize, I don't know if we're talking about the same thing or not. We have different de- definitions. Even the big companies that focus on engagement, the big consulting firms, they don't necessarily see eye to eye on what engagement means. So, I think when we talk about engagement, we need to be on the same page first. And I, I like to I like to look at engagement as, as two things. It's employees who understand what makes their organization successful and they're committed to helping achieve that. Mm-hmm. And, Who's gonna argue with that definition? Yeah. <laughs> no no one. <laughs> right? Right. But there, so if I want to engage my employees, I, I think I, I need to make sure that they can answer a couple of questions. One is they need to know what success is for the organization. And let's keep things simple and aligned. It goes back to that customer service vision or mantra. They, they have to be able to say, here, here are those, there's, here's that sentence or those three words, whatever it is. So that's number one. But number two, they have to be able to define it. I find a lot of times... Uh, you, you work with uh, organizations. I was working with a credit union, and, and 95% of their employees could tell you their customer service vision. Beautiful. And then I said, okay, what does it mean? Universal disagreement. Even the CEO disagreed with the CFO who disagreed with the vice president of branch operations. No one agreed on what it means. So we've got a problem. So, and that's the second thing. We we. It's not enough just to say, here, here's the phrase. We, we need to be able to give a consistent answer to, okay, this is what it actually means. So we've got to understand leads- what, what engagement is. So here's what we're going to do. We've talked about defining yeah. it. We've talked about the second step, engaging. The third step is about being committed. And we're going to take yeah. a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about what it takes to be committed. And you have been listening to Amazing Business Radio. We're talking with Jeff Toyster, the author of the brand new book, The Service Culture Handbook, a step-by-step guide to getting your employees obsessed with customer service. That comes out today, this week. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200 until you go to Amazon and pick up this book. That's your assignment for the week. But we're not finished yet. We've got more. Don't go away. We'll be right back. If customer service is the new marketing and content marketing is one of the hottest marketing trends, then it makes sense that your customer service and experience strategy would include a content marketing strategy. 
Delivering relevant content, not blatant promotional content, is part of the value that you can bring to your customers. You can become an influential voice in your industry, which creates more leads, loyalty, and brand recognition. And that's where PowerPost comes in. This solution will help you be more organized and efficient in the way you publish and post content to social channels, websites, blogs, email, and more. And the team at PowerPost can provide consultation and services to help your brand evolve into a modern-day marketer. Turn your company into a publishing machine that adds value to your customer's experience. Learn more at www.powerpost.com. Digital. That's www.powerpost.digital. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Jeff Toyster. Jeff, the three steps. You define the culture. Uh, you have that vision. Number two is you get everybody engaged. And engagement doesn't mean just them being engaged. It's what it means when they when they know the they understand it. They're all in sync, and they're all doing. They're all heading in the right direction together. Number three, you mentioned this earlier, was about being committed. Let's go ahead and cover that one. So by being committed, I mean fully committed at all levels of the organization. I, I like to call it customer service alignment mm-hmm. and 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 what that means is if you look closely at, at organizations you you find that we do things that create conflicts that, that make it harder for our employees to deliver outstanding customer service and we, so what we need to do when we're committed is we need to fix those issues and, and I'll give you just a couple of examples um, I, I imagine you've gotten a survey or two when you've been a customer and I also imagine that you and probably all of your listeners at, at various times have had someone engage in what's called survey begging. And that's where they say, hey, um, you know, if you would give me a 10 on that survey, right. uh, that would really help me out. And if you don't, I'm going to get in trouble and I'll lose money and I might get fired. Right. Well, yeah, so they're, actually, they're really trying. I, wouldn't, I, yeah. I don't know if anybody's gone to that level. <laughs> I've heard that. But uh, <laughs> I actually it. wrote an article about this. It, it, uh, okay. And, and the guy said – I want to give you a ten. You're going to get a survey. If you're if you're going to give me anything, anything less than a ten, let me know because I will do whatever it takes to get a ten. And in a sense, he wasn't saying I'm going to lose my job, but this guy was so committed to getting the perfect score that he wants to know. And I think it's the wants to know part that uh, makes that, if you want to call it begging, important. Is it's not about losing the job. So I want to know if I'm not doing a perfect job. Which is a little different because asking for the feedback, I find, is different than asking for the score. Mm-hmm. And asking for the score is, is it's an area of typically a sign of misalignment because what the business is trying to do is, is I want the number to look good rather than understand what is it that we could do better. And that's a, that's a huge separation. And I've talked to people who, who okay, I got an eight on the survey and glowing comments. Well, I'd be pretty happy with an eight, especially if I got great comments and a couple things I could do better versus a 10. And then you look at the comments and they say, you know, it really wasn't a great survey, but I don't want anybody to get in trouble, which also happens. <laughs> that, it, that just drives me crazy. You know, you, you hope that people are, are honest. And, you know, you, it, the survey is meant, if you're doing it right, if all you want is the accolades and a good score, that is the wrong reason to do the survey. The survey is to figure out how we can improve ourselves. And I always tell my clients, 
there should be a question on there. If somebody gives you a 10, I want to know, is there one thing I could do that could have made it even better? Yeah. Yeah. How do you improve on greatness? Or even what did I do to get that 10 so I could do it again? Right. And by the way, if I get anything less than a 10, I want to know not what it takes to get me to a 10. I want to know what it takes to get me up one more number in your book. You might have given me a 7. What would it take to get an 8? If you gave me a 9, what would it take to get a 10? That makes sense. But if you gave me a 10, give me one idea that would make the experience even better. And, and if we draw that back to commitment, I, you see organizations that get so hung up on the score, but not the part that we're talking about, which is the feedback. And, and customer-focused organizations, what they really care about is learning how they can continuously do better. Mm-hmm. The score is it's it's just something to help them understand, put some context on that on those comments. You know, what what do people say when they give us a ten versus what do people say when they give us a, a five? Well, now I can know. You know where we need to do better, uh, but alignment says I need to focus my on my vision, not on the score. I, I'll give you another example. Uh, I look a lot at empowerment, mm-hmm. and, and empowerment is one of those. We, we typically think of empowerment as the authority to do something, and that's part of it. But empowerment really means the authority, the resources, and the procedures to create outstanding customer service. So if I have a bad product, I could have all the authority in the world, but I'm never going to make a customer happy. Right. Or, or if I have a procedure um, where um, I can't fix it for you because somebody is in you – know, let's, let's, I'll give you an example. I once had to ship my computer off to Memphis, Tennessee to get repaired, mm-hmm. and it took forever. So I had to call someone in Atlanta, Georgia to find out what's going on with my computer. That's in well, Memphis. Well, that person – what's that? That's in Memphis. And, and the, my computer's in Memphis. The right. person's in Atlanta. Right there uh, is the She's disconnect. not empowered. <laughs> she's not empowered beca- yep. because she can't physically do anything with my computer. And, my com- so she, and she doesn't have access to the information to tell me where it is in the process. So she might have the authority to do something, but she doesn't have the resources or the procedures mm. to allow her to make it happen. So, yeah, that's a great and, lesson, and, and that's why you need to bust down, you know, this is a to- an old term, you bust down the silos. There are no more silos. Yep. There should be no that's more it. channels. Everybody should have access to the same information, whether you're talking to somebody in Atlanta, Memphis, or, you know, Anchorage, Alaska, they should have access to that info. It's not that difficult. It's not. It's called stuff in the cloud. It's the data that's in the cloud. That's why we have a freaking cloud, okay? So we can put things in the cloud. And so everybody has access to the cloud. But, you know, you're, you're yeah. so right. You're spot on. And, and share with me some of the companies that you feel are doing this best. So I, I want to come back to the, to the book and, and tell you about a challenge I had, which was I didn't want to write about Southwest Airlines, right. or the Zappos, Amazon, Zappos. right? Exactly, and, and and not that not to take anything away from those companies. It's just that we've heard their stories so many times. The we be- know them, yeah, and they're the best. And you know what? I still almost every episode will bring up one of those companies. That's right. You can't so, help it. They're awesome. You can't help it. That's right. So that was a big challenge because I when I set out to write the service culture handbook, I said, I'm not going to write about those companies. I'm finding new ones 
that are equally deserving. And so I've got some big names like JetBlue. Mm-hmm. JetBlue is amazing. They outrank in many polls Southwest Airlines, which is a, an incredible feat because Southwest is kind of the gold standard for airline service these days. I picked some regional companies. Uh, one one I picked was a grocer called Publix, which is in I the southeast. I love Publix. Yep. Oh, I would like them to open a store in San Diego, please, Publix, if you're listening. Thank you. They like warm um, weather. I mean, every time I see a Publix, do. it's down in Florida. San Diego seems like the perfect <laughs> extension. Exactly. I don't see a problem with it. Um, I, I also try to pick more uh, niche companies. One of the companies I I profiled is a company most people probably haven't heard of unless you're in this line of business. It's called Clio. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they they produce cloud-based legal practice management software. So if you're a lawyer and you need software to keep track of all your billing and cases, et cetera, you would, you would use Clio to keep track of all that. And they absolutely kill it when it comes to customer service. So I try to have a, a variety of examples in the book that appeal to a wide range of people. Right. You know, when I was doing Amaze Every Customer every time, I was looking for that company that hadn't been written about before. And yeah. I was at a meeting in San Diego at the Marriott, by the way, okay. uh, was doing a speech for Ace Hardware. And uh, what, I was sitting around with their executives at lunch before everybody came in you know, for the event. And they said, what are you working on? I'm working on a new book, trying to figure out who I want to write about. And, and one of the guys, uh, Tom Knox, said, why don't you write about us? I go, you know, I, no offense. I love Ace Hardware, but I'm trying to think. If you walk down the street and you ask 10 people uh, who are, you know, who's a rock star in the world of customer service, do you think any of them would name Ace Hardware? And you know what they said? Absolutely. I go, prove it to me. <laughs> prove it to me. And, and Tom and John Van Heisen, who now is the CEO, pulled out a Business Week magazine article of the top 10 customer, actually the top 20 customer service brands. And guess who was number 10? Ace Hardware. Yes, 10 Ace people. Hardware. Right. Yep. By the way, they beat out the Ritz-Carlton, which amazes me. <laughs> and so and right away I go, okay, you've caught my attention. They've received, I think now eight years in a row, JD Power Awards, for excellence and service and customer satisfaction, blah, blah, blah. They're great. Awesome. I said, found it. I found the rock star that hadn't been written about before. And that was what I was looking for. And these companies, you know, JetBlue, you hear a lot about them. And, yes, they've been in the press a lot. But Clio, uh, I just, uh, the last few years, I've been a judge for some customer service awards. And Clio is always in the finals uh, as, as one of the companies. Uh, what was the other company you mentioned? Um Publix. Oh, Publix. Love Publix. There's another one that's that's always recognized as one of the tops. Yet they're not written about. And you know what I call these companies? They're maybe they're not rock stars. Maybe that's good because they're solid as a rock. Oh, they are. And that may be better. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And uh, anyway, that that's pretty exciting. So why why do so many organizations struggle getting employees to consistently deliver amazing service? If you're creating that culture and you're doing a good job, uh, it's like they look at you, you admire these companies. How do they do it? How do they is it is it that they hire right? Do they train right? Is the leadership right? What's making it right? What's making it work? I think that's almost the infuriating part. It seems like the concepts are so easy. 
and then you try to implement them in your own organization and, and you learn otherwise. And I think the, the perfect explanation uh, happens right around the 1st of January every year. There's a, there's a lake, it's a reservoir right by my house, and it's got this really nice two-lane running and biking path around it. Mm-hmm. And that first week in January, it is clogged with people. Everybody's got their new, new running gear resolutions. on. You got it. <laughs> You go back a couple weeks later, and we're back to normal. All of those people are gone. And I think that's the, the metaphor, the example of, of why it's such a struggle, because we're not fully committed to it for the long term. I hear executives say things like, well, we're working on customer service this year. And I, I, What do you mean this year? Right. This needs to be your way of living from this point forward. And that's, I think, the missing ingredient. I don't think the concepts are that difficult. I think it's the the willingness and the fortitude to stick with it day in, day out, rain or shine, good times or bad. That's what's really, really hard. And, and I think that's what separates these great companies from the average ones. The great companies make it their way of life. Just Just like come the 1st of February at the lake, there's far fewer people because they're the ones that are truly committed to getting in shape or enjoying the outdoors. All right. I love it. I love it. Great, great insight. And again, the book is called the service culture handbook available at Amazon. And if, you know, if this is what you're into, you can't afford not to get a book like this, Jeff, you've been great. This is why we call this amazing business radio, because once again, we have another amazing interview with an amazing guy who knows how to make companies amazing. One last question for you. If there's one thing you want to leave us with, one quick thought, maybe you want to reiterate something you've already said, maybe you want us to remember something you haven't said, what would it be? You know, one of the things I think a lot of people struggle with, and I hear this, is they say, I'm fully committed, but my senior leader is not. What can I do? Because if you're reading this book and they're CEO, great. You, you have control of the organization. But if you're a customer service manager, you can, you can make your own department great. But how do you reach out to other departments? And, and the piece of advice I would give is you've got to have two things down cold. One is you've got to have your business case. If I go to my CEO and say, hey, I want to invest in customer service, what he or she will probably hear is, hey, I want to spend more money. So you really got to you put it in show terms the of ROI. Yep. You got it. But the second thing is you've got to create an emotional connection around this issue. And if I could tell you, can I tell you a quick story? You have to be quick because we are running out of time. All right. So the, the quickest story possible that the uh, this vice president want to sell her CEO on making an investment in more office space. And so what she did was she brought the CEO into the office to address a new group of employees. And the CEO was mortified. And it was after that meeting, the CEO said, yes, we need to buy the new, we need to get this new office space. And it wasn't that she didn't know the numbers already. She did. It was that when she saw how people were crammed in this little environment, it became emotional and realized that's not how we want to treat our employees. So you've got to make it emotional somehow. Find the hook, find the hook. No doubt. That's it. Awesome. Awesome advice. Often awesome words of wisdom. Uh, Thanks, Jeff. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. It's been a big honor. 
All right, everybody, thanks for listening. You have been uh, listening to Jeff Toyster telling us about his new book, The Service Culture Handbook. My name's Shep Hyken. This is Amazing Business Radio. We'll see you next week, and always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.